what the weather is going to do, when it's going to do it, how it's going to do it, and to whom it's going to do it to. That's another one that's uh, kind of always up in the air, I guess. I saw a guy this morning as I was on my way to pick Terry up, and I, he was bundled up, okay? I mean, from, from his feet all the way up, he had this thing around. You couldn't see but this, about this much of his face, toboggan on, you know, the whole bit. And not 100 yards behind him was a guy with a shirt, short sleeve shirt on out washing his car. So I'm like, what, what am I missing? You know? Anyway, that's just part of life, I guess. Uh, we're going to be looking at Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18 today. I'm really surprised that we don't have a full house this morning, very honestly, because we're going to be talking about the 666 and the beast. And you'd figure everybody would want to know who they are, right? I guess not. <laughs> I, I suppose everybody slept well last night, not even thinking about it. But that's okay. All right? Anyway, let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to uh, delve into your word once again. And Lord, we know that Oftentimes when we go in, we don't always understand. So would you give us a, a sense of understanding more of your word this day? Uh, we know that in the book of Revelation, that's hard to do because there's so much going on. And yet, if we could just understand just one little more thing than we did before, then it's going to build confidence in us. And, and I think to study the book of Revelation, that's what we're looking to do. Build confidence in ourselves to be able to, to study this word, to be able to talk about it, to discuss it. Knowing so much of it, we're not going to be able to get answers to. And yet, at times, knowing that we're, our eyes are going to be opened even more than they were before. So bless us to that end today. We ask you, Holy Spirit, be with us. Um, give me the words to say, but may the people who hear these words, whether they're here or maybe even uh, out on, uh, on our uh, video today, we just pray, Lord, that you will bless them with a greater understanding of this, your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you will. We're going to be reading from book of Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. Let's hear what God has to say to us. In these words today, then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might even cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has that mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. 
May God bless us with the reading and the understanding of His Word to our hearts and our minds this day. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to be looking at the second beast today. Remember now, um, earlier in, in Revelation 12 and then in, in the first part of chapter 13, just a week or two ago, the red dragon stood on the shore and the first beast came up out of the sea. He was a smooth talker. He, he could lead the people. He had a mortal wound that the dragon healed. And because of that healing, he was worshipped near and far by the people left on earth. This all, I think, was in an effort to emulate what God had done for his son Jesus. But we know that Satan, the red dragon, couldn't raise anybody from the dead. Only God can do that. Yet the people were enamored with this beast. Many considered it the Antichrist, though he was given and he was given power and authority by the dragon for 42 months. That's three and a half years, if you're counting. In fact, he was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. Everyone whose name was not in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Jesus, of course, is who that is, would worship this beast while the dragon sat back and watched. He was even able to make war against the saints who had remained here on earth. Now back to the term antichrist for just a second. We know that is anyone who is against Christ. While the first wild beast has markings of what we might consider the the capital A Antichrist, Antichrist, I just don't know. And the scriptures don't allude to that thinking, in my opinion, whether the first beast was the Antichrist or not. Not totally, at least, anyway, okay? And yet maybe these indications are arguably there, for some at least, anyway. Maybe they could make a good argument for the first beast being the Antichrist. Second beast could easily be considered the or an antichrist, antichrist as well. Notice his origins are different than the first, though. First came out of the sea, while the second beast came out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like the dragon. Verse 12 says that this second beast held all the same authority that the first beast held. He even reinforces people worshiping that first beast. He performs great signs. Verse 13 says, even makes fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Hmm. This is another opportunity for Satan to emulate God, I believe. We see fire coming down from the heavens in 1 Kings 18.38 where the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Of course, if you'll go back and read that, it's it's the, the time where Elijah and the prophets of Baal were put in competition with each other by Ahab the king. And I have to wonder if this taking place at this particular time, I have to wonder if Satan was not still irritated a little bit about what happened with that particular instance. I think he thought he had it made, and God showed him he didn't have it made. All right, I want to stop at the end of 13 here for a minute and try to describe some of what we just told you about. 
First thing I would say concerns the dragon, the first beast and the second beast. This is perhaps the unholiest trinity that you could ever want to see. The second beast, from all indications, will be a great deceiver of mankind. One calls him the final false prophet. There, there, that makes sense. There may be some merit in that. I don't know. Understand now what I'm trying to get accomplished here is some idea of all of who these beasts and all represent. Okay? Just a representation. Who they actually are, in my opinion, cannot be determined as of yet. Some could have thought Hitler years ago. Some may have thought other international leaders over the years. I'm not going to tell you right now, but if you ask me afterwards, I can tell you who I thought it was uh, some years back. In my mind, he had the perfect credentials for it. I'll be glad to share that with you after church. Notice in 12, though, that the beast is still having to pull out the old war wound as a selling tool. But this may tell us that they're simply showing the world their healing capabilities, their means of performing signs and wonders. We've seen them for a long time. The lies are still coming fast and furious, though. Why? Because I think every, even though they knew that they were the great deceivers, they they had deceived so many people who were still left on earth Maybe the only ones that they were left deceiving now are just themselves. I don't know. And yet, there may be those who are still left on earth earth, who are for some odd reason may not have made their minds up about this unholy trinity. The false signs and wonders that have been presented to them. They're still perhaps on the fence as to whether they believe them or not. If all of these things are going to continue to come at them is to overwhelm the senses and get them to believe in that first beast, then they will continue doing these things. They will continue to overwhelm the senses. Again, I think this is very reminiscent of of Christ and the, the Holy Spirit. But that's by design. The odd point J. Vernon McGee points out is that while the beast wears this wound proudly, Using it as a selling tool, Jesus, even with the scar on his side and nail marks in his feet and his hands, never used those markings as more than proving to Thomas that he truly was the Son of God. He didn't have to do that. Nothing more than, than nothing more than I can see there, at least. Maybe this is where Satan thinks he could have done a better job of displaying to the world who Jesus really was. He could have been a better PR man, maybe, he thought. But that would be the last thing, really, that Satan would want to bring any more honor, glory, and realism to the cause of Christ that was already there. Okay? Back to the wound of the first beast. Anything that they can do to solidify their belief system into the heart of man, Satan would want to cash in on that. We talked about the fire coming down from heaven. God did that through Elijah. But these things would lead to what verse 14 is talking about here. They want to overwhelm the people on earth to direct them to building an image to the beast. 
The one with a supposed mortal wound. The one who lived even though he may never have died. At least not in my mind. Call me skeptical about whether he actually died or not. But I can live with that. But really it was all about creating the emotional need and desire to build this image of the first beast for the people to worship. They needed something to be able to direct their attention, to be able to focus their thinking on this one thing. That was their goal. Everything else, I think, was secondary. Back to another thought from McGee. He believes that this image will be placed in the temple in Jerusalem that as of still of this day has not been built. He also believes that the image will be the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 9, 25 through 27 as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This particular passage plays a very large role in the Revelation overall and particularly Revelation chapter 13. Yet Matthew 24, 15 and 16 alludes to this passage as Jesus himself states, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, that's key, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. In other words, once he gets to that point, all bets are off. You better clear house. This particular passage through 22, though, of of Matthew 24, is talking about the end of times when there will be great tribulation, such as not has ever been seen from the beginning of the world until now, and no one will ever see again. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being could have been saved. It's an interesting statement. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Good point, bad point here, okay? Good point, no matter how difficult it gets, the elect will be spared. That's a good thing, right? In my mind, and this is the bad point, maybe, this is another example that not all of the elect of God will have been taken up. What all that looks like, beyond me. I couldn't tell you. But it sounds to me like in this period of time when the two beasts and the dragon are at their worst causing people to uh, believe and worship the image that was to be created, there was going to be a connection somehow with all of this. Again, I'm not smart enough to figure all this out, especially on my own. But it truly sounds reasonable here, like all that could be pieced together especially when Matthew 24 and 27 and on talks about the coming of the Son of Man. Now, what will this image be? Not sure. But I believe that would, it will be something, it will, the wound will have something to do with it. I think that will play a very large part of it. That's the reminder of, if you will, of what great things that the beast and the dragon has done. Now, here's the part where everybody has been waiting for part one, the mark. Are you ready? Some speculated years ago the Jews received this mark back in World War II. Quite honestly and respectfully, I don't think that was what the book of Revelation is alluding to here. I think some of what the mark is all about is clear. Maybe some not so. 
because a lot of this book has been as well. Again, before I go further, I haven't said it today, but understand as we journey through this book, we know we can take great faith in knowing Jesus is going to return. We all can agree with that, right? When? Well, that's the part we just can't say. But we had better be ready, and we had better be sharing the news, both good and bad, the sweet and the sour, as we saw a few weeks ago, with all that we know and come in contact with, so that they too may be ready and willing to share that news with others. That part is important. Let's look at the rest of the chapter here, verses 15 through 18. We see where the beast was able to give power to an inanimate object. The image of the beast can now talk. We could, he could also bring death to those who emulate, or rather, who refuse to worship him. Two aspects, two characteristics of the beast that didn't emulate God, okay? They did these things on their own. Jeremiah 10.5 says, Idols cannot speak. So we see this is something far different than what has taken place before. McGee says that all the scientists in the world will be called in on this one. And they, unless they are of the elect, will fall for it hook, line, and sinker. The elect won't have much of a chance here, quite frankly. But enough scientists, scientific feats and study and all, this may be the last line of defense of believing in the beast or not. Then again, maybe it won't be the last. Who knows? Here's where the line between business and religion are erased. To do business from now on, you must have the much talked about mark. It'll be a mark that, as verse 16 says, will be on the forehead or the right hand. If you don't have it, you cannot buy or sell. That's young, old, rich, poor. Basically, no one left on earth will be able to do any kind of business whatsoever. Now, if you think about it, just how many believers do you think there'll be left trying to feed families or whatever that they can do to stay alive themselves on earth, that these people don't want them alive, okay? I mean, they're, they're really fighting upstream here. This is a problem. Now, you might say, I'll never have that mark on me. No, sir. If all this takes place while I'm alive, I'll be the last person on the face of the earth to have that mark. Well, let me ask you a question here. You got a social security number? How about a credit card? Driver's license? The one that gets me is when you go to the doctor and everybody wants to know your birth date. They don't care about your last name. They don't care about what time your appointment was. What's your birth date? Guess. Go ahead, guess. I, every time you go to the doctor, now that, that's what you're going to get. And let me promise you young folks, the older you get, the more you're going to hear it. All right? It's like they're trying to trick you into thinking, I can't really remember. Okay, we need to put you away then. No, no, but I mean, anyway, that that's just bugs the dickens out of me. Another one of my things. Anyway, we're, we're all known by numbers, aren't we? Don't you know at some point, someone in the government, if they have not already, is going to come up with the brilliant idea that we all just need one number for everything. 
And we can simply have it tattooed on us. Oh, no fuss, no muss. And maybe that's how they will attempt to corral us all. Many will think that's wise and economic. Others of us, well, we will kind of know a little bit different, won't we? Well, in my mind, the second beast is more of a representation of what an antichrist would be because he is trying more and more to emulate Jesus Christ through having two horns as a lamb, for instance. And we know that Jesus is the lamb, do we not? John one twenty nine, Paul or John the Baptist called him the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. What bothers me is, is him, the second beast coming out of the earth. Have you ever thought about what that might mean? Is it all that important? I've seen that him coming out of the earth meant that he was of Palestine or from Palestine. And that as the commentator said that I read, because of that it's naturally assumed that the second beast comes from Israel. I honestly fail to see the logic in that, okay? I mean, I don't know where that comes from. I'm sure somebody's got a whole lot of thinking on it and they can, they can justify that. I just don't see it. I can see the second beast coming from the earth, though, and having a worldly wisdom. He could also perhaps be a slap in the face of God because it was out of the earth that God created all things. All things were created through him. He saw everything good that came out of the earth. Adam means from the earth. Okay, Man came from the dust of the earth, and he saw that man was very good. So I could see it would make perfect sense to me why that second beast would be coming from the earth. I guess we could speculate till the cows come home on that one. So I'm going to leave that to guys far smarter than me to try to explain the rationale behind this second beast coming from out of the earth as he does. Going back to the beast emulating or mocking or whatever terms that is used to describe what the beast of the earth is attempting to do here, we know that he will do nothing but add sin to the world. He's coming to do the will of the first beast. Matthew 7.15, Jesus states there, to beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And listen to this. You will recognize them by their fruits. Haven't we heard that before? Verses 19 and 20 reiterate what we should already know. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This goes against the grain entirely of what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, isn't it? This beast is the epitome of false prophets. If he is not the Antichrist, he is at the very least an anti or an antichrist. I might even say that the two beasts are perhaps the evil equivalent to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in terms of their function. My thought there only. One place said that the second beast is a John the Baptist wannabe. Don't know about that one. Matthew 24, 24. 
says that false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead people astray. Get this, if possible, even the elect to be stray, to stray away. Now, that's a tough one. Think about that. Still further evidence, though, to me, that there will be some of the elect still here. Looking a bit further into our reading for today, we see that the second beast has power similar to the first. Sounds to me like this power exerted by the second beast is simply reinforcing the power of the first. In this reinforcement, the people of the earth are simply left to worship the first and wild beast. All this will do in my mind, all it will do, is strengthen the hold over those who are still left on earth. But let's be real here. We've talked about the possibility of so many of the church being gone previous to this. However, I believe that there will still be some left on earth to continue to spread the gospel. And some will finally, after all this time of watching these things come to pass, things that have been prophesied for a long time, that come to a reality, they finally see the error of their ways and they decide to follow Christ. I say hallelujah to that. But there will be a battle over those last few that are left who have not decided to follow Jesus, who have not taken on the mark for whatever reason and are still surviving. Otherwise, why would Satan have to try so hard to get people to worship the beast? Why would he have to put so much pressure on if he was not a little concerned about some of those folks? Yes, he wants to continue to strengthen his forces, but I believe that he thinks there may be one or two, maybe maybe a few, who are not totally in his camp yet. Or maybe I'm just being naive about the whole thing. I, I really don't know. The last verse, and this is the, the second part that we have all been waiting for, the number of the beast. Are you ready? Looking at it, these are numbers that man will be able to comprehend and follow. And those numbers, as we know, are 666. Now, whose number is that right now is anybody's guess, okay? I've seen, maybe you all have as well, all kinds of puzzles to show what that number might mean. I've seen former presidents, former prime ministers, former whatever the proper name for the, pres uh, the president of Russia is right now. I've seen all of them. You've seen them too, I'm sure. If you get on Facebook, you'll say, oh, you see that guy's name? If you do this and you do that, and if you crawl up on one hand or one foot, close one eye, you'll see it. You'll see it. His name means 666. That's just how stupid it is, okay? I mean, that's just how stupid it is. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon this morning, please remember this verse. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. That's word for the wise today. So in closing, I simply want to ask, and I could probably ask several questions here, but I'm not. But one stands out in my mind. In this day and time, 
When so many are so bound up trying to figure out when the end of times is going to occur, but more especially, who this guy will be that will be the mark of the beast, the mark of 666, Shouldn't you and I just want to know Jesus a little more today than we did yesterday? Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, Thank you again for this lesson. Harsh one, hard one, hard to understand. We know that. We understand that. And yet, we are counting on you, Holy Spirit, that even beyond this morning, as we think about these words, as we read these words from Revelation 13 once again on our own, that you will enlighten us even further. Guide us. And again, thank you. Thank you for what you have done in our lives and continue to do. And may we look to you for all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.